0: Heavenly Father, we praise you this evening as we gather together as the church, recognizing that around the world this weekend, brothers and sisters in Christ are also gathering, worshiping you, reflecting on the advent of Christ. We praise you that, God, you are with us, whether few or many, you are with us, whether we are gathering in homes, watching services online, and worshiping together virtually with others or in person. God, you are our Lord and our Savior, and we worship you together. Amen. Why don't you say a little hello to those around you before you have a seat? It is good to be together. I have a few announcements before uh, we do our Advent candle, and uh, Pastor Cody brings our message tonight. We want to just welcome all of you. we gathered here uh, in person and welcome always to those who are gathering with us online as well. A few announcements. First announcement is uh, that Clarence Peters, some of you know Clarence, he is turning 90 years old on Christmas Day. So if you know Clarence and want to send him a little card, he would, I'm sure, be delighted to hear from some of his church family uh, wishing him a happy 90th birthday. Uh, We have a Christmas Eve service at 4 p.m., on Christmas Eve, in case that wasn't clear, uh, 4 p.m. here in the sanctuary. Just one service, 4 p.m. Uh, for those who are able to gather for that. Starting in January, we are uh, beginning a study that will be a, a virtual study. Uh, it's kind of like a small group study. So let me mention a couple things about it. The question is: What want something true and uplifting to focus on? Feeling disconnected from God and others when you're struggling with questions and doubts confused, curious, or just want a clearer way to express your faith. The logic of God has answers that satisfy the heart and the mind. Join us via Zoom as we go through the devotional by Ravi Zacharias. And many of you know that Ravi Zacharias passed away uh, this past year. And uh, and so this is going to be facilitated by Greg Sager, one of our uh, members from our, our church here. And this is going to be on Thursdays from 8 to p.m. to 8.40 p.m. beginning January 7th. There will be a Zoom link that's going to be available on the Maranatha website. And this will go through, I think, much of 2021. So if you'd like to be a part of this, you, can, you don't have to do all of it. You can jump in. They don't exactly uh, depend on each, each session, doesn't necessarily depend on the previous one. So you can jump in for as many of them as you can. If you miss a few, you can jump right back in. Um, if you can't start in January, but you can jump in in February, that's great as well. So we'll probably be mentioning that again uh, at least one more time before that launches, but that's uh, January 7th is when that will be starting. And kind of related to that, on Right Now Media, which is a resource that hopefully many of you are, are taking advantage of, especially during this season where it's harder to gather together and, and be in person in small groups. We value that. We know people miss being a, in fellowship together, and we're going to be emphasizing that in January. We want to just plug right now that if you, if you want to utilize Right Now Media... They're, they're beginning a beta version of a virtual study, which I tested out, and I wouldn't quite recommend it yet. They're still working out some of the kinks. But what you can do is if you want to uh, gather with some others virtually using Zoom or FaceTime or some other platform for doing that, you could pick a study on Right Now Media, a series, maybe it's a short series, maybe it's a longer series, and then invite some friends from the church, friends from your neighborhood, family members. And then gather, whatever it is, once a week, once a month, and then you can meet virtually if that's what works best for you, and you can discuss the study, you can each watch it during the week leading up to that, or you can set a specific time where then you each watch it kind of at the same time, and then you can discuss it afterwards. So we just want to encourage you to take advantage of that free resource. If you're not already plugged in, let us know. We'll get you connected with RightNow Media thousands and thousands of resources on there, video studies, Bible studies, on particular topics of all sorts. So we want to encourage you to utilize that resource. Um, We also want to celebrate something every week, and this week we want to celebrate that on on Wednesday night, the youth uh, decided to go do some Christmas caroling, and I don't know if we have have a a little video, I don't know if we'll play the whole little clip of it, but a little video clip of some caroling. Oh yeah, oh a little taste of, of what we were able to do Wednesday night. We got to visit a few families from our church, some of whom haven't been able to join us in person for many, many, many months and uh, wish, to, wish we could have done ten times more. But we can do probably ten times more tomorrow. So if you um, miss that opportunity but you would like to participate in doing some caroling, um, that will bless some people in our community tomorrow at 1 p.m. So Sunday at 1 p.m gathering here, uh, just right meeting here at the main building, and then we'll be taking off and heading to several of the nursing home facilities in Rice Lake, and I uh, would love to invite anybody who wants to join to be a part of that. They're going to have a uh, amplification, so they're going to have a speaker system, keyboard, so it's going to be kind of pumping some music out, along with some, some of you helping vocally uh, singing and encouraging those uh, people in the nursing home, some of which are some of our own our own family members from our church family here. And so um, mark that on your calendars, and we'd love to have you participate. With that, I invite Pastor Aaron to come, and he's going to uh, do the reading for our Advent candle uh, this evening.
1: John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God, for God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. What an important passage that was just read about Jesus and the focus of Christmas, that God gave His Son. And He didn't send Him into this world to condemn the world, but through Him, we might find salvation. That's John 3.16 and then into 17. And what we're doing during this Christmas Advent season, we've been looking at anticipating Christmas. Advent is this waiting. Every candle is lit, waiting for the time for Christ to come. And uh, we have this part of this in our series here. We've been looking at how we respond to Christmas. And we've been looking through the Christmas story, looking at how different participants of the story in the Scriptures, in the passage we've been reading, they respond in different ways and because of different situations. How do we respond to the birth? of Jesus, this long-awaited Messiah, the King. For many, the news was so wonderful that they couldn't keep silent. In fact, we've been looking at that and at the end of our um, sermons, at the end of our time together each Sunday, we've been singing different Christmas carols, but every time we've been singing Go Tell It on the Mountain. From the angels delivering the message to Zechariah and Mary. Then the host of angels singing praises to the Lord. The shepherds who believed God's great story and the message was here, they ran to find the child and after that they split apart and told others telling about the long-awaited Messiah. Yet not all have received the message of Christ with joy or gladness. As we will see today, probably as I've gone through the story, the Christmas story in the Gospels, this is probably the greatest Contrast that we will find in how people respond in reaction to the birth of Jesus. We will see the wise men ended up with worship, whereas Herod had hatred and cruel intentions towards the birth of Christ. One is worship, one is hatred, one is giving. And one is great opposition. And just today, we know that many have that same response. Many have worship and giving compared to ones like, as we see in the story, Herod, who had hatred and opposition. So before we get into our passage, let's pray. Father God, I thank You for today. I thank You for this evening. It is good to gather together and celebrate Your great name. And Spirit of God, I pray that you guide us this moment as we dig into this passage. May we have the right response to the Christmas story. In this we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. What I've done today is I've brought, I got special permission from my wife because we have a nativity set and we have like five of them. One is really old. There's only two more pieces left. I think it was when Autumn and Kalen were really young. They were kind of these, these um, clay things that we, we had and we painted them and they've all broken and stuff like that. We even have like a squishy one that's made out of plastic. They make different sounds. We have one that's cloth that someone stitched and he gave it to us. But this is the one that we got from her parents. So it's a really nice one. She's like, if you bring it, take care of it. I said, okay, I'll take care of it. I'll bring it right back. But each year, this is the main one that we set up. And with this comes a couple figurines we have the angel and we put that up right away and we get mary and joseph and we got this little shepherd here and the the different animals we all have this and and these are the components that come and we all get this set up but if you notice in here we got the manger but baby jesus isn't in there why because it's not christmas yet right that's coming in a couple days Christmas is coming. So we don't put baby Jesus there. In fact, my job is to hide baby Jesus somewhere in the house and the kids kind of look for Jesus, looking for Jesus, and then make sure they always say, don't forget where He is because I think maybe one Christmas I forgot and it was Christmas night. We found Him and put Him there. Also, that comes with this kit, although that isn't part of Christmas Day celebration, is way over here. You see these? The wise men. No, this comes with a nativity set, but we keep them from a distance. Why? Why would we do that? Anybody know? You can say it out loud if you want. They weren't at this stable. They weren't there when baby Jesus was born. And a lot of times, through modern art, through different ways, we see you know, the shepherds there. So we, we keep them apart. In fact, we move them. In fact, today, I went looking where they were a couple days ago, and they got closer, so I couldn't find them. I found them. We keep them away. So the, you know, the, the wise men are over here. They're not part of that part of the story, but they're still part of the story as we'll see today. Another person that's part of the story that isn't included in any nativity scene I've ever seen, and it's a good thing it's not included, is Herod. Herod's a big part of the story. And it's very good that we don't include Herod in this part of the story because it would be gruesome disgusting and kids would not want to play with the nativity scene because there's a lot of blood involved it'd be rated r nativity scene if we put it to movie standards but we'll see that here in a moment as we go through this passage so take your bibles and go to matthew chapter 2 matthew chapter 2 now if you Go through maybe the storyline, if the timeline of this Christmas story, you could begin with Matthew chapter 1. Then, after that, you would then go to Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is the famous one. Pastor Tony spent time in that. And then, after the birth of Christ, we then get to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to jump ahead of this common story that we know about. The birth, the angels, the shepherds, we know that. And then often during Christmas season, we talk about all of that, the shepherds, all the singing, all of that, but we forget about chapter 2 because it's just after Christ was born. So, chapter 2, starting with verse 1, take a look at this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. So we're talking maybe about six months or so after Jesus was born. And again, this is part of the story that sometimes we don't get into too much because we're kind of building up to Christmas Day and then Christmas Day comes and then we get to New Year's Eve and then we go on with the rest of our lives. Before we get into the story, I want to get a little background on the people mentioned here. The first one is the wise men. The wise men. Now, magi comes from the Latin word magos, magus with, with a U there, and then that comes from the Greek word magos, which means that's where we get our word magician, so these were wise men, or magicians, or sorcerers. And then this term, so i got it up here on the screen here, wise men. The term magi refers to a group of royal astrologers. These were well-learned men, royal astrologers, wise men who were advisors to kings and not kings themselves. So even in the story, if you call them the, you know, the, the, the three kings, they weren't kings themselves. They were very wise astrologers, royalty ones in the king's court who would advise them and help kings at this time period. They were stargazers, you could call them today, and mathematicians who would calculate meanings of stars and time periods during this time. And they would even forecast the best time for planting seeds. They would look at the stars and go, This is the best time to plant. Now we've got something like the farmer's almanac, right? They would look and they would know. But also at times they were asked to interpret kings' dreams, as seen in Daniel chapter 5, chapter 6. We saw that when we were in Daniel, the king said, All right, I've got some kind of dream. I've got something happening here. Help me understand this. And these people were called. These people came from the eastern part. Many times the magi or the wise men were ones who gained wisdom from studying stars. And even though most modern nativity sets include three of them, really we don't know. In fact, the only time it's mentioned is here is in Matthew, and they just give a very short description. We don't know how many there were. Matthew doesn't say how many there were, or who they were exactly. There may have been three. There most likely were dozens of them. A group of them. It wasn't just three. And the reason I think modern art depicts three, because there's three gifts given. So we don't know how many there were. They weren't we three kings of Orient, are you know like the song goes. It wasn't that. It was probably more than that. And they don't show up until after the birth of Christ. So the wise men, not much known about them. The next character, the next person in the story is Herod. In great contrast to what we don't know about the wise men, we know tons about Herod. We know much about him. In fact, Jewish historian, in fact, Pastor Tony, I think it was you, you had Josephus, the book you showed me, about a week ago, Josephus, he was a great historian that we can turn to and look at about the time period of Jesus and all that. He wrote two full scrolls just on Herod alone. He was called Herod the Great. That's what he liked to be called. He was Herod the Great and was appointed by Rome as King of Judea And he ruled for 34 years. So here he is. He liked the name Herod the Great. And he left behind two legacies. The first one is that he oversaw many great building projects. Some of which can be seen today. Among his greatest achievements was the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. Herod the Great, because great, look, he helped rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. That's one of his legacies. Some of the stuff can still be seen today. His other legacy is not so good. In fact, it is horrible. Horrible. He was an extremely cruel, jealous man. In fact, Josephus, in his writings, we could have spent half an hour just talking about all the wicked things he did. Herod murdered his wife. Out of the ten wives that he had, okay, ten wives, his favorite one he murdered he murdered his favorite wife out of the ten he had, he murdered his sons, who he thought and he feared they're coming to take over the throne to usurp the throne, and I'm done so he killed his sons, so that way his sons could not take over his throne. He feared that his family members were over were planning to overthrow his throne. So he killed his father along with his friends and many dozens of his military leaders, accusing them of treason. Herod was known as a paranoid man, a treacherous king, who committed crimes against the Jews, and as we will soon see, the brutal murder of children in Bethlehem. Herod was a wicked, evil man. Herod was in a political position through a cruel hand because of his desire for power and prestige. Thus, I would call him a fraudulent king. He's not a true king worthy of that. Instead, he used evil, wickedness, and murder to still regain the power of being a king. The next person in the story is Jesus. In great contrast to Herod, the cruel fraudulent king is Jesus the legitimate king. Amen. He's the legitimate king. His kingship was tied to his davidic sonship in which Matthew chapter 1 and 2 I read through Matthew 1 and 2 over and over again this week I was like, man, Matthew takes such great time to lay out to show that this Jesus is the true King, the true Davidic Son, the Messiah. He takes great time looking at fulfillment and promise. Just like we took two years looking at Christ in the Old Testament. In fact, five times in chapter 2 he refers to Old Testament stuff. I just wrote these down quickly. Verse 2, Micah 5. Verse 11, these are all out of chapter 2. Psalm 72, Isaiah 60. Verse 15, Hosea 11, verse 1. Verse 18, Jeremiah 31. And verse 23, possibly Isaiah chapter 11. Remember, Herod was in this political position that he got because he was a cruel, wicked man. Christ, in contrast, was a prophetic prediction. And legitimate kingship given at birth unlike the fraudulent King Herod so that's the background of these three people we're going to learn about or one is a group Herod and Jesus it's good to know the background of that as we get into the story so let's now get into the story and I want you to do is listen for the contrast of how the wise men and Herod respond to Jesus. So get your Bibles and let's go through this. Here we go. In the middle of verse 1 here again, about that time some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn King of the Jews? We have seen His star as it arose, and we have come to worship Him. Herod was deeply disturbed by their question. As was all of Jerusalem, he called a meeting for, of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. Where did the prophets say the Messiah would be born? He asked them. And they said, just listen to Pastor Cody's Christ in the Old Testament series. No, just kidding. In Bethlehem, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. O Bethlehem of Judah, you are not just a lowly village in Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Verse seven. Then Herod sent a private—I me- like how it says—private message. Herod sent a private message to the wise men, asking them to come and see him. At this meeting, he learned the exact time for which they first saw the star, then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go, look at this, and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went on their way. Once again, the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Verse 11. They entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were and fell down before him worship, and worship him. They opened up their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when, but when it was time to leave, they went home another way, look at this, because God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Verse 13. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until you return because Herod is going to try to kill the child. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and his mother, Mary his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophets. I called my son, out of Egypt verse 16 Herod was furious when he learned that the wise men had outwitted him he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under because the wise men had told him about the star first appeared to them about two years earlier Herod's brutal action fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah, a cry of anguish is heard in Ramah, weeping and mourning unrestrained. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. So what is the response to Jesus? Again, we've got two different groups of people. The wise men and then Herod. Unmistakably, there is the greatest contrast we see in Matthew chapter 2. Let me give you a few thoughts about Herod here. Upon hearing about the birth of the new king, he was disturbed. Again, he's been killing off his own family. His favorite wife killed off his sons. Because he's afraid someone will take the throne. He now hears about a king of the Jews. He wants to be the king of the Jews. He's supposed to be. He probably feared for his own safety and did what he did in the past. Geared up, was filled with fear, and made sure that this anointed king, this Messiah, would not come about. So he did his stuff in his mind. Even though he had the title king of the Jews, he was just a puppet for the Roman Empire. Because of his cruelty, notice in that passage, it says, he was disturbed, and all the people in Jerusalem were also afraid. Why were they afraid? Well, as we see the rest of the story, what he's about to do, they knew that when a Messiah would be coming, and if he gets mad, if Herod gets mad, they're going to feel the pain of that. The brutalities would come from this evil king. Then he finds out from those who know Scripture, okay, he gets you know, the leaders around, hey, where's this baby born? Well, in Micah it says, guess what? He's going to be born in Bethlehem. Then he sends a private message. Beware of people who send private messages sometimes. Look at verse 8. Go and let me know so I can worship Him also. What a liar! Right? What a complete liar. He wasn't going to worship him. This evil, cunning man, Herod, isn't thinking about worship. He recruits the wise men to help him figure out where Jesus is, and his goal is to kill him. He was just pretending to be happy about the Messiah's birth. Yet his real goal was to destroy the child who could take away his throne. He's an evil, evil man. Look now at verse 16. Thoughts about Herod here. Herod becomes furious when the wise men outwit him. Kind of like a chess game. The wise men totally. Checkmate. Herod gets mad. In fact, Herod's the kind of guy that did not come up with the song, It's the most wonderful time of the year the kids will be ringing bells no no he didn't come up with that he wanted to then look at the rest here destroy and kill every child in Bethlehem and the surrounding area look at me sick and evil who would want to kill children sick and evil out of hatred he sends out to destroy Jesus. To do that, the only way he could do that is to slaughter every boy. Depending on, you know, he heard from the wise men. When did they first see the star? So two years and younger, I want to make sure I cover all my bases, the whole region. The kind of leader who would murder his sons, his wife, truly is about killing this. The response of Herod was one of fear and hatred of anything and anyone that threatened his self-centeredness and his fraudulent king own ego. What a wicked man, Herod. This is in great contrast to the wise men. The wise men. The wise men show us the correct response to Jesus. One word. Worship. Worship. A few thoughts about the wise men. In fact, I'm not going to talk about the gifts that they bring because that's going to be Christmas Eve. In a couple days, come back and you'll hear we're going to finish the story, the Christmas Eve story. A couple thoughts about the wise men. Number one, devotion. Devoted to the cause of what they were about to do. So they left their home. No one's really sure where it was. Maybe in modern Iraq, there's a couple ideas, you know, because of the gifts, you know, there's a couple ideas where they come. But they didn't, you know, just say, oh, in three days, we're going to get there. Most likely, this was weeks, if not months, of travel. So these wise men, these astrologers, were devoted to find this special king and worship him. So in this devotion that they have, they wanted to travel a long distance and possibly very dangerous journey it would have taken months and they kept going until they found Jesus very important in their attitude of worship they had devotion they kept going until they found Jesus and that's what they did a second thing i think of is obedience obedience the response of the call of god i think put with even within their hearts to go you know what we're to go find this special king and then as they found jesus if you look at verse 12 they obeyed god because they're about to leave and go to Herod and say herod we found this great messiah this king we worship now you go worship what did they do they obeyed god God gave them a dream, and in obedience, they tricked Herod. Listen to this. There is no substitute for obedience. Let me say that one more time. There is no substitute for obedience. Especially when it comes to worship. That's very important. The proper response to the baby King Jesus... The Christ King. The Christ Child is here. The proper response to Christmas is to worship Him. We must worship Christ. So let me finish with this. Notice the type of people in this story that respond the correct way. That respond in worship. Worship. First, it's not the power hungry, self seeking ones. It's not Herod who wants to build his kingdom and kill people to keep that status. And it's not even the religious Jewish people in this story that respond. What must be noted also is that there are people like Herod all around us today who are bent on destroying jesus and his followers rather than coming to worship christ we must know that around us today there are people that are all bent on destroying christianity it's real instead of worshiping christ we live in a country that's becoming more hostile to biblical values and biblical morals We have many around us that are living without a moral compass at all to guide them and direct them. So rather than worshiping Christ, Jesus, as the Savior of the world, they reject Him and have deep hatred in their hearts. So who are the ones? What are the type of people that come and worship in this story? The type of people that come to worship are not who we expect. They're Gentiles. To be a Gentile means you're not a Jewish person. You don't follow the law. You don't know the Old Testament. In this story, it's not the religious leaders of the Jewish people at this time. It is given in other parts of the Bible, but in this specific story, it's not them. It's the Gentiles. They're the ones who worship in this story. In fact, what might be offensive to a self-righteous religious people is that royal astrologers are the ones who realize who Jesus is and worship. Stargazers, magicians, are the ones who come and realize this is the Christ child. They come and worship the Messianic King in this chapter. Gentiles are the ones who come and seek out and find Jesus. While Jewish leaders did not. In fact, we find in Matthew, there's this theme in Matthew where His own rejected Him. Even His own people rejected Jesus. Jesus. This is to show us that indeed, Jesus is the King of the whole world, not just for the Jews. The whole world will one day worship the Messiah, worship the Christ Child who is the Lamb of God. And we see this in the book of Revelation. Chapters 4, 5, 7, and chapter 21. All nations come and worship Christ. Matthew moves us from fulfillment. Chapters 1 and 2 again have all these aspects of fulfillment found in this book, found in Isaiah, found in Micah, found in all this stuff. It moves from fulfillment to Gentile mission reaching the world. And it's clear that Matthew wanted his Jewish readers, because who's reading this the first time? It's the Jewish readers. They see all the fulfillment and then they read chapter 2 and they go, oh, It's more than just us. There's a mission that God has a plan to reach this world and go out and let others know. So in conclusion is this. Respond with worship and with God's plan for the mission to this world. For our tradition as a family, Christmas Day, this nativity scene everything changes when christ is found in the house where i hide him and place him at the right appointed time christ came and what's beautiful in this series we've been looking at most of the people when they realize who christ is their response is joy worship Praise, humility, great virtues and all that. But out of that also, they go, tell it on the mountain. They let the Gentile world know Christ has come. The Savior has come. So my encouragement to you is this. We live in a sick world, right? Even today, There are people who want to kill babies. That's disgusting, is it not? We live in a place where there's no moral compass with some people. They have hatred toward Christianity. Oh, but listen. There are some who will see the beauty of Christ and worship Him just as we do. And for some of them to see that, they must hear that. How can they hear unless someone goes out and tell them? Romans chapter 10. So I encourage you, worship Christ, but also be one who goes out to the world, to the Gentile world, to those who don't know about Christ, and let them know the beauty of Christmas. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. It is faithful. It is true. And I thank you for Matthew chapter 2. Sometimes we don't read Matthew chapter 2 because it's after the birth of Christ, it's after Christmas. But in this story, we see such a significant contrast of good and evil, of worship and hatred, of legitimate king and a king who is false, fake, fraudulent. We see the beauty of worship reaching beyond the doors of Jewish homes, going out to other nations. God, You're a God of mission. And because of that, we are able to worship You. And Lord, I pray that You would put within our hearts a desire to respond with worship, but also a desire to be a part of Your great mission to this world. In Jesus' name, Amen. Stand. As